Hey, counting us down, and here we are with the Football Outsiders live stream for January 3rd, 2022. It's our first live stream of the new year. Hi, I'm Aaron Schatz, Editor-in-Chief of Football Outsiders, joined, as always, on Mondays by Ian O'Connor from Edge Sports. Thank you for watching us on your app of choice, whether it be Twitch or YouTube or Facebook or Twitter. And please, uh, we would welcome your comments and questions during the show. Absolutely. Let's talk about week 17 in the NFL. As always, Ian is here to break down coaching decisions and the major big plays that changed win probability throughout the weekend. Uh, although the weekend this week was just Sunday, no Saturday games this yeah. week. There will be Saturday games next week. Uh, let's start with the biggest game of the day, Kansas City and Cincinnati, one of the most exciting games of the year with an intense ending, a uh, huge upset for Cincinnati, knocking Kansas City out of the number one seed and putting Tennessee there and thus making the people of Nashville send me very mean and obnoxious <laughs> memes, uh, not nice human beings. Uh, one of the incredible offensive performances uh, by the Bengals, Jamar Chase, one of the top 10 wide receiver games in the history of our stats. So let's talk about uh, good calls and bad calls in this game from Zach Taylor and Andy Reid. Really interesting, some moves in this game. Yeah, Zach Taylor, a little bit of both. We'll start with the good. Uh, about halfway through the third quarter, trailing 28-24, had a fourth and one on their own 45. Chose to go for it. It was a 5.7% increase in pre-snap win probability versus a punt in this situation. Was the fifth best fourth down go of the week. I can't tell if I'm surprised by this or not because Zach Taylor has been kind of hit or miss. He's 17th overall in our coach rankings, about middle of the pack in, in CCI when it comes to fourth down decision making. Had some really good calls early in the year in his own territory. They got criticized for. Uh, had the big one in overtime against the Vikings in week one where he went for it. They won the game. This one, you know, in a game against the Chiefs, we hear it all the time with Mahomes on the other side. You know, you can't you can't be punting and kicking field goals on fourth and short. Brandon Staley got hammered for it a couple weeks ago because they didn't convert them, uh, or they converted a couple, but but really struggled there. But it, you know, all in all, it's going to come out. It's a better for you to go for it, especially on a fourth and one. You're nearing midfield, um, expected to convert that. You know, upwards of seventy percent of the time, uh, in on average. And you know, the Chiefs have a good defense. Uh, the Bengals offense, you know, at this point was was looking really good, especially they got in that 14-0 hole. But really good decision from Taylor. Ends up only being fifth best of the week because, as we've talked about the last couple weeks, there have been some really good calls across the NFL. Our errors, uh, at least our the, the highest errors, are getting smaller in terms of magnitude there. So really good one from Zach Taylor. Ended up completing it. Uh, so that's something, you you know, you really like to see from, from Zach Taylor. And then uh... – that drive ultimately ended in a punt, but eventually the Bengals took the lead on their next possession, went up 31 to 28. Then the Chiefs responded with a field goal to tie it at 31, and then it got really good. Third and 27 on the Kansas City 41. You think you're pretty cooked at that point, but no. No, not with the day that Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase had yesterday, man. Like I said, third and seven, Kansas City 41, 319 left. Kansas City, you know, almost certain they're going to get a stop here and force, you know, a field goal, uh, a longer or a medium field goal at this point. But Joe Burrow hits Jamar Chase down, uh, I think it was around the right side of the sideline. Just an amazing catch over the defender, keeping his feet in bounds all the way down to the 11. 
was a 24.1% increase in win probability, the fifth most impactful play of the week. So they've got the fifth best call and fifth most impactful play that, you know, it ended up being the final drive of the game, was able to convert. And then, like you said, Aaron, got interesting. It got fun. Come down 57 seconds left. You know, the Bengals had first and goal at the one, weren't able to get it in three times. A couple of Joe Burrow sneaks. Joe Mixon got it. Uh, couldn't get in. Zach Taylor decides to go for it. So this was the talk of the town as far as decision making. There was obviously a bigger story, it seemed like, with Antonio Brown. But that's something we we don't really put any numbers to there. There's a whole lot more going on. But this one, we actually like the field goal better. You know, this is actually one of those, and we were just talking about this beforehand, Aaron, um, how a lot of the models, like none of them are really in agreement with each other. They're, these are all over the place. Like we have this as a big error. There are some other models that have them as errors, but a little bit smaller. Um, there's some people that have it as the right decision to go for it. Even Tony Romo was said he was torn. Like he kind of went back and forth a couple of times, couldn't figure it out. But we actually like the decision to kick the field goal better here. Uh, less than a minute left. You know, uh, I think it comes out if you don't get it and the Chiefs get the ball at their own one when we ran it there you know, uh, under 50% to score, almost a coin flip. Um, if you kick off to them, uh, you know, with a three-point lead, it's down to about 25 or 30%. So one in three, which you, you think isn't a lot, that's pretty good. That's, you know, going to be upwards of really any other team in the league, maybe the Packers, the Bucks, teams like that. But really, we just like the decision to to kick the field goal there, almost guaranteed, almost 100%, obviously not 100%, but pretty much a guarantee. That's one of those situations where, where I would almost call it taking the points because uh, it is almost a certainty at that point. Now, the, what the, what the, what the, um, what the Bengals got was a, a, a illegal hands to the face call on Jarius Sneed, but you know, that's accounted for in the model, the possibility yep. of the penalty. But then once they got that, they got a new set of downs. That was it. The game was over. All they had to do was kneel on the ball and then kick the field goal, and they won. Which brings up the question that a lot of people were asking online, which was when this whole thing started and the Bengals got to first and goal on the one in the first place, should the Chiefs have just let them score so that they had enough time to come back and try to tie the game? Yeah, it's interesting. It's really a lot closer than you think, a lot closer than even I thought it would be. So with the first and goals at the two-minute warning, the Chiefs still had, um, I believe it was two timeouts at that point. Cincinnati was around 82.5% to win. If Kansas City let them score, Cincinnati would have dropped to about 80.3, pending the PAT and the kickoff. So about 2.5%. But as it played out, as they stopped them on second and goal, third and goal, Kansas City used those timeouts. I think only 10 seconds, nine or 10 seconds went off the clock between those two plays. It ended up, being about a 1% increase from the first down stop to the second down uh, for Cincinnati in terms of win probability. So it increased their chances to win by 1% by getting stopped from second to third down. It was pretty much the same. There was no, no impacts uh, on getting stopped. Kansas City used their timeout, still time left. Then as, as I mentioned, it's that fourth down where you get um, where they obviously drop. They've got one shot to either get in the end zone or they've got the field goal to increase, but they're still lower, but yeah, only two and a half percent really a small amount you would think that I even thought as I was running this live when it was happening, that it was going to be a much bigger, um, a much bigger difference between letting them score. But I mean, as it played out, we saw the Chiefs stopped them a handful of times, ended up getting, a, you know, the offsetting penalties on the first, fourth down and then the defensive penalty on the second one. 
but really ended up being kind of kind of a wash. You know, we saw it two and a half not being a lot. It does matter at times when every little bit counts. But, you know, coming down to it in hindsight, the way it played out, they probably should have so they could at least get the ball back. But as far as at that moment, not knowing what's going to happen, uh, only about two and a half percent on the line. All right, let's talk about um, Philadelphia and Washington. That was another big game to set up Philly getting into the playoffs. And Nick Sirianni was seventh in our coach rankings, had a really good aggressive call uh, game, but also bad calls in this game, both, both good and bad. Yeah, he had our fifth worst play call that comes out as a 4% error. It was a fourth and four on the Washington 45-yard line. Chose to punt. They were down 13-7. to seven. One of those across midfield, you know, a fourth and medium. Um, chance of conversion is going to be, you know, probably in the 40s, uh, 40%. But this, you know, ends up being the fifth worst. He had a handful of other play calls that were errors that were, you know, in the 2% range that aren't in the top five. But overall, as you mentioned, had a really good game. Uh, second half were two of the best that we had this week. It was uh, fourth and one or fourth and goal on the one. Pretty much a no-brainer at this point in the NFL. We've seen a few teams kick in this situation, but here they're down 16 to seven. Field goal does help you, but halfway through the third quarter, you know, taking the chance on the touchdown there is worth it, and that's what they did. It's a 7.2% increase in pre-snap win probability, fourth best of the week, and then second best comes out at 9.5%. This was five and a half minutes left. They have since taking a, taken a 17-16 lead. They're up one. They can try a long field goal, about 60 yards with Jake Elliott, who's had a, a really good season. But that's a long field goal. Definitely no guarantee on that to take a four-point lead. So a touchdown still beats you. You force them to try and score a touchdown. But he chose to go for it to try and run out more clock, to try and get down to score a touchdown or run out the clock or get another field goal. They ended up getting a field goal, which was one of those uh, other errors he made. It was a fourth and short. But made the right call here. All in all, again, a really good day from Sirianni. His four fourth down goes, uh, three of them were successful, combined for a 23.3% cumulative increase in win probability. His errors uh, he did have that resulted still in a 13.1% net increase in pre-snap win probability between those fourth down goes and those errors. Ended up being the best in the, in the, in the league this week through 15 games. So a really good good day at the office for Sirianni. You mentioned number seven in our uh, coach ranking. So really not surprising there from him, from what we've seen, uh, and really from the Philly organization the last four, five, six years, uh, or since that Super Bowl season. And then Washington, down 20 to 16, making a push down the field in the final seconds of the game, had a costly pick that comes out in the most impactful plays of the week. Yeah, not surprising uh, that this one is a, is one of our most impactful plays. Uh, Washington gets down the field, 30 seconds left. They got no timeouts. They have to get the ball in the end zone. First and 10 on the Philly 20. So got a lot of hope here still for the Washington football team faithful. But Heineke's pass is intercepted by Rodney McLeod in the end zone. Really good catch by him to keep that one off the turf. But it's a 44.9% increase or decrease, I'm sorry, in win probability, taking them down obviously to 0, 0 0.1, whatever, ending their hopes of winning in this situation. Yeah. All right, let's now talk about another one, another good, this is really close game. This was, uh, I had made the pick of the week, the Rams the pick of the week, but they did not cover. Rams did win, though, against the Baltimore Ravens with the big comeback victory. Uh, Sean McVay had a lot of errors in this game, yes? Yeah, more of the same from McVay, you know, <laughs> People kind of, I don't know if people, people have kind of come around to the fact that he's not really a super aggressive coach as far as fourth downs, you know, just uh, really good when it comes to offensive scheming, play calling, that kind of thing. 
Um, but even, ever since even that Super Bowl year that they made it, they had guys, you know, they had Jared Goff and, and Todd Gurley, and the offense was just awesome, but was still leaving a lot of win probability on the table given that offense. You know, there were situations where we would expect them to go for it and maybe not other teams because their offense was so strong. Uh, but then when it got to the Super Bowl, well, both them and New England had a handful of errors that year. But McVay, it's just kind of been more of the same. He's 13th overall in our coach rankings, propped up by the EPI of the Rams. They've been really good on field, obviously. But he's only 23rd in CCI after last week. So in this one, he had a couple curious decisions. One was early on in the game. Coming up on the two-minute warning, it was a uh, fourth and two at their own 47. They're down 10 to nothing at this point. Conversion rate uh, here, we'd expect him to convert around 60% of the time on that fourth and two, considering that offense against just a depleted Rams defense or rate, sorry, Ravens defense, you would expect them or we would expect them to probably convert at even higher rate than that. The expect or the required conversion rate, only 31%. So they're expected to convert that pretty much double what they would need to convert to justify going for it. So a punt in this situation is not the right decision. Going for it is a very strong recommendation. It was a five and a half percent error pre-snap, which ends up being our fourth worst of the week. And then later on in the game, uh, late in the third quarter, they're down nine. They've got fourth and one at their own 34 yard line. A situation we saw them go for it against Green Bay early in the game on their own 34, fourth and one down seven. Didn't get it this time. They don't even choose to try. In this situation, the required conversion rate is only about 49 percent. The conversion rate that we'd expect them at, you know, a fourth and one nearly 70% of the time. So a little bit closer, but still over a 20% difference there between uh, what they would need to convert uh, versus what we'd expect them to convert at. So still a really strong uh, go, very strongly in favor of going for it in this situation. And Sean McVay uh, went conservative and failed the test once again. Yeah, and then the Rams eventually on the way to their big comeback had a touchdown drive set up by a big fourth down play that comes out as one of the most impactful plays of the weekend. Yeah, this is he had to go for. He really had no choice, which I guess that that's good that he made the right call here. Wouldn't expect him to make the wrong call, but ends up being fourth most impactful play. A minute eight left in the game, uh, fourth and five on the Baltimore 12. They have to have a touchdown. And Matt Stafford completes a pass to uh, Odell Beckham Jr. Makes a great catch and uh, hangs on right at the first down, just past the first down marker, setting up the game-winning touchdown. The fourth down conversion was a 31.4% increase in uh, win probability for the Rams there, who you mentioned pulled off the comeback, were able to uh, come away with the win there in the in, in Baltimore. It's interesting because Stafford is struggling the last couple of weeks, keeps throwing the ball to the other team, but mm-hmm. still for the whole season, the Rams are sixth or higher in all three phases of the game. So, I mean, this is still a really good all-around team. Yeah, it's a team. It makes me nervous. Uh, playoffs looking at, uh, you know, we talked to Green Bay, locked up the number one seed, faced the Rams at home last year in the playoffs. But, you know, they already beat them once. But uh, you said the Rams really good at pretty much everything. So they're going to be a, a scary team in the playoffs. All right, don't forget to check out Ian doing the updated coach rankings with Katie George. That's a video comes Wednesday on edgesports.com. Let's talk about the most impactful plays of the week. Bring up the graphic, kids. Yeah, fun week. So number five and number four, we already covered. Number five was the the third and long conversion, Jamar Chase, 24.1% increase. And then number four, just talked about, what, 30 seconds ago, OBJ's conversion. Uh, on the fourth and five to keep that drive alive and to set up the game-winning touchdown. 
Number three is interesting. It was the the play to Hunter, Hunter Renfro that was called a touchdown at first. Actually helped them that it got called back, uh, put them down. I think it was a gain of 20 yards, uh, 24 yards. So it took them. It was third and 10 at the Indy 48 in the tie game, 54 seconds left. Ended up being a 24-yard uh, gain I mentioned. Set them up. It was a 35.6% increase in win probability. They were able to run out the clock, uh, kick a field goal to win the game. Hunter Renfro you know, had said, I'm glad I got called back kind of in the moment. On that touchdown run, uh, when they wasn't sure he'd been touched, probably should have just gone down at the one or two anyway. Uh, in a situation like that, you know, mid-play, sometimes it's, it's hard to think that. Um, but the, the adrenaline's rushing through you. It's hard yeah. to think that. Yeah. yeah, when you can take a touchdown, you know, to make the other team go the length of the field, you know, it's not a horrible thing, but it, it's just a little bit better to hold on to the ball so that the other team doesn't even get to touch it. But it ended up working out for the Ravens or Raiders. Number two, we've got the Washington football team against the Eagles when we just covered a moment ago. Taylor Heineke's pass intercepted in the end zone. It's a 44.9% drop in win probability, taking them down to 0%. And then number one in a weird game, the obviously the, the antics of Antonio Brown in this one, but Tom Brady made it happen, you know, led the Jets uh, or the Buccaneers down against the Jets. We'll get to that decision the Jets had on the previous drive in our uh, best and worst decisions. But down four, first and 10 at the 33, only 21 seconds left. Hits Cyril Grayson down on the right side, who catches it, kind of spins away from a guy. Looked like he was going for the ball, almost made a play on the ball, but was able yeah, to yeah. get Thank you for the ball. I think the safety got over late and went yep. for the ball, and Grayson got away from him. Yeah, just kind of spun out and fell into the end zone just enough, and that's a 62.7% increase in win probability. So a huge play from Tom Brady yet again. All of a sudden, in the last couple plays, it's like the Jets stopped covering the sidelines. It was very strange. They, they were covering deep down the sidelines, and then all of a sudden, they they were letting all this stuff in the middle of the field to take time off the clock, and then all of a sudden, they kind of let the sidelines go in the last couple plays. Grayson, you know, was just catching balls on the sideline. Yeah. Um, don't forget, you know, if you're watching live, please ask us questions and make comments in the thread. And don't forget to subscribe to the show. We're on, well, almost every weekday at 1 p.m. Eastern. No more Tuesday shows now with fantasy basically over, but uh, we'll be back Wednesday, Thursday, Friday at 1 o'clock with more shows. So let's talk about the best coaching decisions that had the most positive impact on win probability. Uh, we've covered a couple of these already. Mm-hmm. Yes, number five was the Zach Taylor, fourth and one at his own 45. It was a 5.7% increase. It was successful. They picked up the first down there. Number four, again, we covered the Eagles. Nick Sirianni, fourth and goal at the one, was a 7.2% increase. That one was successful as well. Boston Scott got a touchdown there. Number three, Frank Reich. Not really surprised to see him on this list. Fourth and one at the Vegas 47. They're down three at this point, the Colts are. Still a lot of time left in this game early in the second half. Excuse me, 12-23 in the game. But chooses to go for it. We saw this a few weeks ago against New England. Frank Reich always fourth and one. He's got Carson Wentz, who we saw in that Super Bowl season before getting hurt. Uh, very successful on quarterback sneaks and got eight point. It was an eight point one percent increase. Good for third best of the week. Also was successful. Number two we covered as well. Philadelphia again uh, fourth and one at the forty two. They're up one late in this game, looking to run out more clock, potentially get another score there was a 9.5% increase because uh, was also successful. 60-yard field goals are hard. Yes. No guarantee there, even with a good kicker. Justin Tucker, uh, 
as good as he is, still not guaranteed from 60. So absolutely agree. The number one I just mentioned, we come up to this. So 24-20, fourth and two at the Tampa Bay 7, 217 left. If the Jets convert this, the game's over. They can run the clock out. They can kneel it out. Uh, as Tampa Bay has no timeouts. If they kick a field goal, they're up seven. That's great and all, but Tom Brady still has two over two minutes to get down the field to get a touchdown to tie the game, maybe win it in regulation. They'd also be heavy favorites, or, or maybe not heavy favorites, but pretty good favorites in overtime uh, if it came down to it. So going for it was the right call. I think we saw some people, we got some responses on Twitter from people. The question here is the quarterback Why do you sneak. Why a quarterback sneak when you have two yards to go? Yep. Yeah. And, it, you know, I was looking at the numbers kind of on something I saw. It's from a couple of years ago, I think. But looking at quarterback sneaks, they're only used very underutilized, like 10% of the time on third or fourth and one. But convert at, at this point, it was around like 80, 85% of the time. Again, on third or fourth and one, a fourth and two. I think it might have been you, Aaron, that tweeted this or someone saying, especially as good as that interior defensive line is for Tampa Bay. And they, the yeah. Jets had been having success running the ball out, you know, off the tackles. They had so, been running the ball outside and having success. And all of a sudden they decided to go right up the middle yeah. for two yards, needing yeah. two yards, not one, but two. So <laughs> right call to go for it directionally, 11.4% increase in pre-snap win probability. But play call definitely could have been a lot better, which is something, you know, I, I kind of tell people all the time with this stuff is, is you know, we can say directionally, Yes, that was the that was the right call to go for it. Our model liked that call, but when it comes to the actual play call, it's kind of up to the discretion of the coach. It's because our model doesn't know what that defense is looking like that day. The coach could maybe have been, been you know setting things up for for a certain play or have certain fourth down plays. But yeah, that one was definitely questionable. Uh, Chad Reuter says that Robert Sala said after the game that the coaches were supposed to tell Wilson to hand off instead of following the play call. So they gave him the wrong play call, I guess. Mm. Hand yeah. off to Barrios on a jet sweep. Oh, that would have been a better play. Yeah, much better. Yep. Well, maybe next time. So one that thing we talked better. about, I was talking to Scott Scott Brown this morning, our uh, VP of Data Science, saying, you know, it's almost kind of a win-win situation for the Jets because if you're able to convert that, you know, you win the game, you get another win. If you don't convert it and the Bucks go down and win, just like they did, you still keep your draft position, or at least helps you maybe potentially even move up. So it was kind of a win-win situation for the Jets at this point in the season. Who knows what they would have done earlier in the season, even if they were 0-2, 0-3, still a lot of football left. They may have uh, may not have gone for it, may have settled for the field goal to try and force them to tie it or win it there. Yeah. All right, let's talk about decisions that coaches made with the biggest negative impact on win probability. Yeah, so we've covered a handful of these too, I believe. So we'll start number five was the Eagles. Um, that fourth and fourth, the Washington 45, kind of, you know, a mid fourth and medium at the 45, though. But the field position doesn't really help you or the swing, the field position isn't really as beneficial to win probability as you would think. And with two minutes left, there's, you're probably not going to get the ball, ball back again. So it's not like you, you know, pin them deep and then there's a shot, you get it back clock. You know, each team had three timeouts. There was potential, but you can't really count on it with that little time left. But still, only a 4% error, not huge there. Number four, Rams and Ravens covered this one a little bit more in-depth earlier. Fourth and two, coming up on midfield at the LA 47 at the two out of the two-minute warning in the second quarter. Choosing to punt was a 5.5% error. With that offense against the defense that the Ravens, you know, have struggled lately, that's 
pretty much a no-brainer there uh, for Sean McVay. Was able to pull out the win, but might cost him later on if they get when they get into the playoffs. I mentioned they're kind of a dangerous team. They're very good, but with play calls like that, if you're giving the ball away, that's that's not necessarily the best thing to do. Number three, Kyle Shanahan of the 49ers. See this a lot from him. They're facing the Texans. They're up three already. Maybe thinking, you know, it's a fourth and one at their own 47. They punt. Maybe thinking, hey, it's the Texans. You know, we'll be all right. Even though the Texans just coming off that big win against the Chargers. Obviously, you know, have played better as of late. Had a really good defense earlier in the year up until the last few weeks. But still, they're only, I think what I checked, like 26th against the run. And the 49ers had Trey Lanson at quarterback. They had Eli Mitchell back. They have Jeff Wilson. They have Debo Samuel who can run the ball. Like you've got a handful of guys, maybe even run the run the triple option, like throwing it back to college and and pick up that first down. That's you know fourth and one, especially with that rushing team. Love the option on so many options. Option on fourth and one is a great play. Yeah. So and we saw the the Cardinals ran it a couple times late in the game that picked up some chunks of yardage when they needed against the Cowboys. So. Would have been smart for the 49ers to go for it there. That's a 6% error in pre-snap win probability. So not good from Shanahan. We really see that a lot from him going pretty conservative. Number two, kind of borderline between if it's surprising or not. Uh, Bruce Arians hasn't been aggressive. It's Arians, not surprising. But, yeah, Yeah. (laughs) punting on fourth and six at the Jets 39, it's just like how many yards do you think you're going to get a field position coming from the – 39. Yeah. Even a field goal, you know, it's a long field goal. Suck up, I don't think, is, you know, has the biggest leg in the league. It's kind of struggled on longer kicks. It's yeah, down like seven, you don't, you don't kick at 57. Yeah, even with a lot of time left. Yeah, field goal doesn't really help you as much. So it's just we saw this situation with the 49ers last week on that Thursday night game. Seems like forever ago, right before Christmas. But they had a fourth and nine, like the Tennessee 41 with eight or nine minutes left and chose to punt instead of uh, going for it when they're down seven. And just with Tom Brady, yes, they're, you know, they're down Chris Godwin. AB was gone at this point. Mike Evans was, was playing through an injury or limited was okay enough to play, but scored a touchdown. Rob Gronkowski had a big game. See guys like Tyler Johnson and Cyril Grayson come up big. Like with Tom Brady, they've got enough talent in the receivers uh, that they can, can get something done on a fourth and six. You know, I'd rather, I'd rather keep the ball in Tom Brady's hands and, and really, Bruce Arians needs to do more than that, more of that, I think, on fourth downs. The ones he goes for are the pretty obvious fourth and one at the opponent, you know, 35. Um, so need to see a little bit more of that from Arians. But this was an 8.2% error. That's a big error this late in the game or not this late in the game. Sorry, with this much time left in the fourth quarter and on a fourth and six. That's a pretty big error. So really going to have to get better than that uh, with Bruce Arians. And number one. Covered it was the field goal or the go for Zach Taylor instead of kicking the field instead goal. Of kicking one, the field. Yeah. yeah, one point that you know I wanted to make on this that I forgot earlier is you know, we say it was an error to go for it instead of kick the field goal. We had the field goal, there were about 81 and a half percent chance to win. By going for it, they're still at 73-75%. So it's not like they lose, they still win three out of four games. And that's a point that I like to try and make a lot of times because people, you know, see those, see us saying it's an eight percent error, a twelve percent error. But a lot of the times these teams are still in the 70s. It's when you get to the ones where they're 58%, 60% if they go, and 45% if they don't, where you become an underdog by kicking. But in this situation, the Bengals are still going to win three out of four times, no matter what they do in that situation. 
Right. So it's not like, you know, how can you say that he made the wrong decision? They won the game. Well, they were likely to win the game no matter what. So, yeah, it's not a hundred and zero. It's not a, it's not uh, like you win or you lose at that, at that point. All right. You can find these every week and more over at the edgesports.com top five section. That's edjsports.com. Let's talk about Monday Night Football, which is the Browns and the Steelers, and the Browns have been eliminated from the playoffs. So the line on this one went from Browns minus three to Steelers minus two, now that the Browns have nothing to play for. But, I, you know, the NFL, its schedule is filled with games in the last week or two where one team has nothing to play for, and they come and they just bring it against a team that's trying to get into the playoffs. And, you know, the example that I always bring up is the 2004 Buffalo Bills are the best team by DVOA to ever miss the playoffs. And all they had to do in week 17 was beat the Pittsburgh Steelers backups and they couldn't do it. So, it, you know, there are plenty of times when teams with nothing to play for rise up and there's a rivalry going on here between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. And I can't imagine Cleveland's going to lie down and be like, well, our season's over, so go ahead and just walk all over us. So yep. uh, I I still like the Browns uh, to be favored in this game. Yeah, I think it was even, wasn't it last year that the the Browns, they were already in the playoffs and they had lost to Pittsburgh's backups at the end of the season. Um, if I remember correctly, maybe the year they went 0-16 with Deshaun Kaiser, they were playing against a lot of backups for Pittsburgh. and and lost that game. But like you said, a big rivalry, you know, a lot of bad blood between these two teams. Wouldn't be surprised to see a handful of unsportsmanlike conduct penalties in this one, uh, especially with the Browns being out of it and maybe some uh, some taunting from those Steelers players as they still fight to get in the playoffs. But yeah, you mentioned this one's actually moved a half a point, you know, in the last half hour, hour or so since uh, we did our Edge Sports podcast just a little while ago and is now up to Pittsburgh minus three. Uh, we've still got it as Cleveland minus one. So the margins, you know, aren't huge to cover. Uh, we've got Cleveland about 57% to cover, to push or cover if it's at that minus three. 64%, so a bigger, a lot bigger chance for Cleveland to lose by three or less or to win this game. So we like Cleveland. Uh, looking at the total, we like the over in this like one as well. This yep. So sitting at only 41 and a half, make sure that, sorry, 43 and a half. So it's since come up a little bit, uh, but 44 points, you know, we've got it closer to, we've got it at 49. So we're expecting more points than, than the market is in this one about so almost two thirds of our simulations results in more than 43 and a half points and so 44 points or more. So like the over, like Cleveland, the public though, um, all the bets are 64% of the bets. Uh, the number of bets are on Pittsburgh. 75% of the money is on Pittsburgh. I was kind of wondering, you know, with the money, maybe not, but I wonder how much stock people are putting into the, you know, Big Ben's last game at Heinz Field. How, how much of that money out. came in when it was still Browns minus three, though? That's the question, right? I yeah, mean, that's how true. Those people were betting on a completely different line. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So, because when it was Browns though, minus three, I liked the Pittsburgh, but yeah, yeah, because so really interesting, but yeah, a lot of that money. We'll see how it shifts from. You know, now up until game time, potentially, if we see it go more towards Cleveland, which, uh, as we both say, we like Cleveland, wouldn't be wouldn't be surprising to see that come back towards 50-50 a little bit. But the uh, Cleveland overall, you know, has has some good value, we think, 
uh, betting them there and then the the total as well. The one good thing is I, I'm glad the uh, uh, with Aaron Rodgers on the Manning cast, I'm glad that the, the Packers really that game up. doesn't matter. So there's no uh, next week. So they can lose. The curse can still can still go on and it won't won't affect me too much, but would still hate to lose to the Lions next week. <laughs> All right. Thanks everybody for watching today. If you're watching on YouTube, Twitch, Twitter, Facebook, every day, 1 p.m. Eastern again, not tomorrow because tomorrow, because fantasy football season is basically over, but I'll be back Wednesday with Mike Tanier and Brian Knowles for the Ask Us Anything show. And uh, thank you also to all the people listening after the fact on the Football Outsiders podcast network. And enjoy Monday Night Football. Thank you again for joining me, Ian. And I will uh, see everybody in two days, Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern. Until then, take care.